in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back into the Sports Hour. It's good to be here. We are recording this on July 13th. It is a Wednesday, my dudes, and we've got a fun podcast in store today. We'll hit on the news and notes around the world of sports, maybe some updates on NBA free agency, some interesting NFL news. We've got top five, some forgotten all-stars, and then on the back end, Mitch, are all under 25 NFL teams. So we're going to do a little exercise where we draft uh, our all under 25 or all 25 and under teams uh, in the NFL right now. So look at some of the best young players in the league and a little competitive draft uh, back and forth, which uh, should be fun. So uh, I think this is going to be a, I think this is going to be a good podcast. I think it's safe to say, I mean, have we, have we disappointed yet when we've predicted top 47 and top 72 podcasts? I don't think we have. I don't think so. I don't think we've ever let them down. You know, like we suck, like self-admittedly we suck. Uh, yeah, like, for sure. But everything we've put out has been great. Um, top 32, <laughs> top 32. You said we suck, but everything we've put out has been great. I, I love that. I think that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're just uh, we're a living, breathing hypocrisy, you know, just everything sucks. But we but we put out good content. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly right. We're I mean, this is episode, I believe, 134 uh, out here. So, you know, it's going to be at least a top 134 podcast, folks. So at the uh, very minimum, at, at the very, very minimum, we got you there. So uh, buckle up. Uh, I do got to say this before we start. Uh, Mitch uh, is looking dapper in his new hat. Uh, you guys can't see it. Cause again, audio format, I understand, but, uh, uh, Mitch, tell the people about this, uh, that the, the newest hat in your collection. Well, this is a, uh, a hat that, um, has got a beehive on it for the salt Lake city bees, uh, the triple a affiliate of the Los Angeles angels. And I would be remiss if I didn't give the assist to my boy, Dallin Graff for sending this to me, him and his, Lovely wife attended a game. Uh, was it on Fourth of July? Yep. And uh, he uh, was so thoughtful, and and sent me a hat from the stadium. That's kind of one of the things I like to do every time I visit a new stadium: get a hat of the home team. And uh, I didn't do that uh, a couple of years ago when I was out in Salt Lake when we went to a bees game. So, um, Dallin, thank you so much. Assist to you, big guy, for. Uh, <laughs> For bringing in the fire hat, it's a uh, it's the Latino heritage themed um, Salt Lake City Bees hat with the beehive. It's got the cool colors on it, man. It it's a it's a sharp looking hat. Yeah, sharp my, looking hat. It's my favorite one that they do. 
and uh, you know, as Mitch, as you guys know, Mitch has the great collection of minor league hats. So I just had to add, you know, felt like I had to add to it. Uh, and uh, I love the abejas, which is uh, their Latin heritage, uh, you know, bees in Spanish, abejas. And so the little beehive alternate logo just looks so cool. So uh, uh, it looks great on you. You know, it's not about the hat. It's about the person who's wearing it. Oh, wow. Don't Way to get like cheesy. Oh, yeah, don't butter like... me up like that. <laughs> we're like five minutes into the podcast. Yeah, knock this shit off. Hey, All right. Thank you. Thank you so much for sending this to me. This is uh, this is this is my new favorite hat. This is my new yeah, favorite. Yeah, well, hat. it looks great. I got you, my friend. Happy early birthday to Mitch Mo. Uh, all righty. Well, let's uh, let's not waste any more time here. Let's uh, jump right in with the news. That's right. Let's get into the news and notes around the world of sports. Let's get into the news. <laughs> All righty, let's start here, Mitch, because you are wearing your Bears jersey. Before you put on the Bees hat, you were wearing a Bears hat as well, so you were all themed out. Probably ready to start the the uh, podcast off with this first story, which is uh, your Bears making a big time move. I'm talking huge. I mean, this is monumental. It's the uh, off season. Uh, it's the year uh, of the wide receiver. Big names are on the move. Tyree Kill. Devonte Adams in the latest AJ Brown, but now the Bears acquiring Nikhil Harry. Let's go, former first round pick for the New England Patriots. Uh, they've acquired Nikhil Harry for a 2024 seventh round draft choice. Uh, he, he, Harry was the final selection of the first round back in 2019, but uh, has not really done anything in 36 career games he has 57 receptions 598 yards and four touchdowns that's over 36 regular season games it's not good but i just about the big big wide receivers clearly the bears failed in that regard they didn't really bring in a true number one option but it's got to be worth like a shot for a seventh round pick right mitch i i literally dry heaved I saw this trade. Um, this is your response to losing Allen Robinson. This is your response to being criticized after you know not having a true number one. Darnell Mooney's going to be our number one guy. Yeah, we're going to go get a big name guy, Nikhil Harry. I was like thinking after I saw the quote from Nikhil Harry that he said he wanted a fresh start and Chicago would be a good place to have it. And then I remembered Nikhil no fucking sucks. Like this guy just stinks. This is not an answer. This is not an answer. Like we we stunk before. We still stink now. This is not, this is, this is not anywhere near an answer for, for the loss of Allen Robinson. You're, You're literally down to Darnell Mooney, maybe Cole Komet if he has a breakout year. And, You're gonna need him to. And a a a warm body that has literal oven doors for hands. Like he just <clears throat> and they bounce right off. And I I I just I uh, damn it I I just don't I don't like this at all. I, if, a low cost, okay, seventh round pick, sure, low sure. cost doesn't not gonna cost us a whole lot, but. My goodness, 
We just cannot get it right in Chicago. We just can't get it right. Yeah, I think there's I think there's two parts of it. One, on the one hand, uh, they did not acquire a true number one target for their young quarterback, Justin Fields. And that was a mistake. Number one, this offseason, they didn't do it in free agency. They didn't do it via trade. They didn't do it in the draft. Right. They uh, they didn't do that. Velas Jones in the third round is not, you know, your your number one guy. Right. Uh, so don't even bring up Velas Jones. The Bears <laughs> failed in that regard already. But instead of doing that, this is what they've done, Mitch. They've traded the seventh round pick for Nikhil Harry. They've signed uh, Byron Pringle to a one year four million dollar deal. They used cool. the third Another round pick on Velas Jones. And then they also brought in they also brought in Equimania St. Brown. Dante Pettis, Taji Sharp, and David Moore. So their answer is like, instead of getting one actual good wide receiver, let's get six guys that are like at best average, and maybe we'll have a decent wide receiver core. Like I, that is just, that is crazy. I've never read a more, a longer list of more mid names in my life. Like that is incredible. And that's the answer for Justin Fields in year two. And that's why as like if they nailed the offseason, they got the number one guy. And then in July, you throw a seventh round pick at a former first rounder, right? And Nikhil Harry with 24 years old and has the upside. Sure, that feels fine if they had already a good receiving core, but they don't. They don't have that. I, so now it almost feels like they're just continuing to throw shit at the wall and hoping something sticks. Uh, and it 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 looks bad. It looks really bad. I, I can't afford the diamond on my ring anymore, so I'm going to pull it off, and I'm going to sell it, and then I'm going to pack a bunch of turds in there and polish it up and call it a diamond. Like, what right. what the hell are they doing? Like, this just makes no sense. Yeah. It, it's just – is it's it, like you said, it's throwing shit at the wall and hoping it sticks, and uh, it, it's just it's just disappointing. It's just disappointing. We're yeah. going to suck. Um, I know I've – I think I've only picked Chicago to not win a game once in the entire history of this podcast. Um, <laughs> that will be happening a lot more this year. Like this, oh. that just, that, I, I, we, we can't have this. We can't we'll have this. change a heart here. My disappointment in the bears right now is really, really high. Like it just monumental record setting disappointment in the bears and Mitch dot history. Yeah, it's tough. You know, you're going to need a big year from Mooney, big year from Cole Komet, as you said, and you need one of the seven wide receivers I just listed to be decent, you know, and I guess the oh, the silver lining here, Mitch, is that they have a plethora of options. So, God, one of them has to be decent, right? I mean, you know, one of them has to be somewhat worthwhile. That's the hope. Yeah, I don't I, I don't have faith. Team Pringle. I'm team Pringle. Byron Pringle's not bad, but he's a wide receiver three. He can't right. be a two. He can't even be a two. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, disappointing. I I feel that as a as a Bears fan there in the Bears. And speaking of disappointing, Mitch, uh, this was just the stupidest freaking oh, news. Why does thing. this keep happening? First, it was the Staples Center going away. It's now crypto, crypto arena or some stupid shit like that. Well, now, uh, you know, it's happening again in the NFL. Uh, we saw it with the uh, CenturyLink up in Seattle, right? Lumen yeah. Field is the last year. Uh, and now another iconic name goes away. Heinz Field, no more. The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, have new naming rights for their home, and it's going to be Acrisure Stadium, ending two decades of Heinz Field, which began back in 2001. Uh, a new 15-year deal, so 15 years 
the naming rights deal for Acrisure to be the naming uh, the sponsor of the stadium, which is stupid. Mitch, why do we keep doing this? Like, I don't understand. It, it's called Heinz Field. Just leave it there. You know, money always gets in the way. Money always gets in the way. And yep. I think money got in the way again. Um, like, I always want to make more money, right? That, that's, sure. uh, that's, that's, Who wouldn't? that's the uh, capitalist dream right there. Make as much, you know, make as much as you can. But my goodness, this is a tragedy. Um, and they're not even keeping field. Like, I think that, a, like, the, the term field at, like, the end of the sponsor yeah. is way more aesthetically pleasing than stadium. Right. And it, and they, they took, they even took that away from us. They even took that away from us. No more big catch-up bottle, um, to quote the great uh, Chris Berman. Uh, no more games with the big catch-up bottle. And that just sucks. That just sucks. It, I blame Ben Roethlisberger. He he retired, and everything is going away with him. <laughs> everything is going away with him as far as the Pittsburgh Steelers are concerned. Um, yeah, hate the name change. You know, hate what it. I would love to see is, like, a compromise in here. So going back to, like, the Lakers thing, right? The Staples Center is iconic, right? So can we call it a crypto court at the Staples Center? Like, can we – it's still the Staples Center, but you can now sell the a name title sponsor for the, court. for the court. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you can maintain that legacy name. In this regard, because it's Heinz Field, you probably have to call it Ac- Heinz Field at Acrisure Stadium. Right. Because of the name there. But I still like I wish there was a way to do those. Now, in reality, two corporations are not going to compromise on deals worth hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, they're just not going to do that and not agree to share those rights. Uh, But I wish there was a way to do that because they're just iconic names. Right. And that's the problem when we have corporate names. Uh, instead of legacy names that are named after people or like Dodger Stadium, right? Dodger Stadium never needs to change. It's Dodger Stadium. You know, nobody owns that name. It is just that name. And so uh, if we had more like that, you know, Lambeau Field, you know, perhaps uh, we wouldn't have this. But, Soldier you know, Field, again, yeah. you make money. And so, therefore, that's uh, that's the world we live in. But, uh, yeah, Heinz Field, no more. Acrisure Stadium starting this next year in 2022 for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mitch, the last bit of NFL I, I, music. I, I don't even care what it's called. It's always going to be the big catch-up bottle for me. Oh, yeah. I'm probably just going to keep calling it Heinz Field, to be honest. Yeah. I, I probably won't even remember, you know. Suck on that, Pittsburgh. Yeah. Acrisure. I'm Acrisure. That name is ass. <laughs> I'm Acrisure. That name is ass, too. Absolutely. <laughs> Mitch, last bit of NFL news here, and this is a saga that has captivated uh, audiences here in Utah specifically for the last couple days uh, and has nationwide begun to become a story. But that is the drama surrounding uh, one former BYU quarterback, Zach Wilson, currently the quarterback for the New York Jets, uh, who had some drama pop up in his life between him and another uh, NFL player, his former best friend. And roommate at BYU, Dax Milne, who is a wide receiver for the Washington Commanders, was a seventh-round pick last in 2021, uh, same year as Zach. Uh, Zach was dating a girl who, for a long time who is now dating Dax Milne. And they're oh, let's reported— not, Let's not keep her name quiet. It's Abby Giles. Okay? Abby Giles, yes. Yes, so she has been with Zach for a while while he's at BYU. 
they have broken up in the course of this last year, uh, presumably after the season, and she's now dating the best friend. Uh, when accused of being uh, a homie hopper, which is just a, I just think a funny, an objectively funny term. I just sure. think it sounds funny. Uh, she, on Instagram, commented, uh, claiming that Zach Wilson slept with his mom's best friend. And that that's why they broke up and that's why she'd moved on. So now Zach has become this, uh, in a weird way, like this legend. Like that is the way that people are talking about him at this rate. Like Zach Wilson sleeps with moms. That's like the whole joke now. And it is just taken on a world of its own. Uh, beyond that now there, I've seen some TikToks. I think it's, what is it? Well, who's the guy from uh, Barstool? Jack, uh, Jack McGuire or Jack Mac. Is what he's yeah. OK, there. Jack Mack. Yes. Yeah. So he's done some TikTok videos and on his Twitter as well, breaking it down. If you're interested in watching, uh, obviously, Zach and his mom deny this. Uh, he reports or he claims that it he did sleep with the mom, but it was like a different mom. What? Not the best friend, not 40 years old, but still older than Zach. It's all a mess. But suffice it to say, like it's some juicy drama, which in an offseason with nothing going on in NFL news, it's fun to have a little July juicy drama. Uh, Zach Wilson posted on Instagram today, uh, you know, after all this, he's been radio silent, nothing from it, right? Post this today on Instagram, took the boys, I uh, took the boys to Idaho for a nice getaway, some golf, some, some lake fun, you know, some of his teammates and stuff. He said, poor self-service, what I miss. Uh, I love the tongue in cheek. Uh, I don't think he's going to say anything about this, but it, it has just become a crazy story uh, that has. I'm very invested. I'm trying to figure out what what's really happening here. Yeah, after he asked Jack Mack to take it down, it was almost like a, a pleading him to take it down because he was claiming it wasn't true. It's 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 still funny though to me that out of all of this, right? Abby Giles breaks up with Zach Wilson. You break up with the number two overall pick, starting quarterback okay. for the starting New York quarterback Jets. for the New York Jets. Then you start dating his best friend, who's like seventh on the depth chart and wide receivers. Okay, whatever, do for you. The still the biggest winner in this is Zach Wilson, because he bangs hot moms. Okay, like <laughs> he's still the biggest winner in this. Like Zach Wilson bangs hot moms, and he's he's the winner in this whole situation, which is awesome. But I I would implore for Zach. I I know he doesn't listen to this, but Zach. Stop pleading for this story to end because you know what? You're the winner in this one because you bang hot moms. Okay. I think that's what's funny about it is that initial reaction. And that was my first thought was, oh, this is probably not going to go well for him. You know, he is this BYU quarterback. Uh, Zach is interesting when it comes to like the LDS, the Mormon angle. He's never claimed not to be. But he also isn't trying to portray himself as a super devout uh, Mormon anyway. So uh, like from my understanding at his time at BYU, he was not necessarily following the honor code to the umpteenth degree. You know what I mean? Like he was probably so. But that image, though, of the former BYU quarterback, like that's something that he's built his brand around. So I so I'm sure that initial reaction was this doesn't help my brand, but it has helped his brand incredibly. And it's amazing. Like I didn't expect that to happen either. And obviously based on his initial reaction, he didn't expect that either. Now young gravy, uh, you know, the King of the Cougars, you know, who's, who's going after all the, the hot moms out there uh, is, is now putting out TikTok saying he's a Jets fan uh, because of Zach Wilson. I mean, this is like, 
now he's like, this is like almost the best thing that could happen to it. It's crazy. It's just amazing how this stuff works. Just, just play to the Jim McMahon strengths. Okay. Yeah. You, 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 just be the playboy. Just be the guy that bangs hot moms and you'll, you'll be fine. Play quarterback in the NFL for the New York Jets. Who cares if you're mediocre? You're play quarterback for the New York Jets and you bang hot moms. Okay. That, that's like, I would, I would dare to say 85 to 90% of Americans, American men would dream of having Zach Wilson's thing right now. You play for a quarterback sure in the NFL fine. and you bang hot moms. That's awesome. That's awesome. It is, uh, it is quite the saga. Uh, if I find any more juicy drama, I'll update you guys here. But this is, uh, I, I just, again, like in the BYU circle, this really popped off and, but it really has become, uh, like ESPN is talking about it. Like there are like some interesting, uh, it is, it's just funny. And what a, what a crazy mess, but there you go. Uh, Zach Wilson sleeps with moms. That's, uh, that's what we've got. Uh, you know, he was a, uh, he, he did play for BYU, uh, the Cougars. We should have saw this coming basically is what we're saying. He took two when he was a senior in high school, he took two BYU cheerleaders to prom. He took he asked two BYU cheerleaders to prom as a senior in high school. Like, I mean, we should have seen this coming. Basically, he was always showing us I, I like cougars. I, I want to date older women. Like, basically, what I'm saying is this is on us. I know we should have. And you know what? He's a good look kid. He's a good look kid. Good I mean, exceptionally handsome. So, like, oh, not? man. It's, uh, yeah, too funny. So there you go. Uh, Zach Wilson, uh, that's, uh, that's going to do it for the NFL news, Mitch. Let's, uh, jump over to the NBA. We've got a bit of NBA news. I'll update a bit on free agency, which, uh, spoiler alert, there's basically not anything to update. Uh, but we will just sort of get into some of the reporting and rumors around, uh, some of the biggest names, but, uh, to start, uh, at the, the NBA met and approved, uh, a few things, uh, this week and Adam Silver, uh, the NBA commissioner spoke on it with NBA media uh, in Las Vegas at NBA Summer League. Uh, one of those things uh, most noteworthy in my mind is the play-in tournament, which is going to stick around. So the the current formation that we've uh, kept for the last two years of the play-in tournament at the end of the season, uh, seven plays eight, the winner earns the seven seed, nine plays 10, losers eliminated, the winner of the elimination game and the loser of the seven, eight play for that final spot. We've seen this last two years. And I think, and I know we've talked about this on this podcast, Mitch, that we're in favor of this. I think it's been fun. Uh, well, the NBA is keeping it permanently. Uh, they voted on that and decided to keep this as a permanent format. Uh, let's start there. I'll get into some of the more of the comments they had uh, and some of the other things they're considering. But uh, what are your thoughts on the play tournament sticking around to be a permanent fixture in the NBA? I'm going to be completely honest. I thought it was a permanent fixture before this vote. I thought this was something yeah. they were keeping okay. anyway. So, um, <laughs> look, we, we've talked about we've talked about this before, and I think it's not any it's not any uh, su- you know surprise to other people that that look back in NBA history. There have been plenty of really good teams that get kept out of the playoffs because they're in a competitive conference, and um, they get kept out because they're just like, oh yeah, you know, we were a, a, a 42 and 40 team, but we're pretty darn good. But we get kept out because there's a team that's one team better, you know, one game better than us. And uh, I love that they're keeping this. I think it's it, it adds an exciting one game winner take all type atmosphere to the NBA playoffs. 
um, to quite honestly a playoffs that can get stale when you have a dominant team. And so it's it's fun to see a it's it's fun to see maybe a uh, lower seeded team that can make a run have an opportunity to get in um, to the NBA playoffs. So I, I I love the vote. I love the vote. Yeah, no, I, uh, I I think it's great. It just adds more fun at the end of the season, right? And that's what matters. And it also, and I and I do think this has had this profound effect in the last couple of years. And and, and to sort of break down this, Mitch, uh, the NBA has voted on this play-in tournament after the season on a year-to-year basis for the last two years as a sort of trial with the play-in tournament as an easing into it. This vote solidifies it as a permanent part of it. Uh, but it was a year-to-year thing up until this point, so they could vote to not continue it or continue it on a year-to-year basis. Uh, but they are sticking with it, and I do think it has uh, lessened tanking at the end of the season, right? More teams are competitive down the stretch because they can be, because they have an opportunity to sneak into this play-in tournament. You see teams every year, Minnesota, uh, Sacramento, teams with big playoff droughts, long playoff droughts that just need to get fans excited, need fans to care about the direction of the team. This play-in tournament is is monumental for those teams and those organizations. Uh, and I think in that regard, is it is a huge improvement because it now deters those teams from just tanking and giving up at the end of the season in hopes to get better draft capital. Now they can be fighting for at least a shot at the playoffs uh, and, you know, building momentum for the future. So I do like it and I do think it's positive for the league and I'm excited that they're keeping it moving forward. It's a lot like the, uh, the MLB wildcard game when they added that, you know, you, you just, you get that one game playoff where it's like, mm-hmm. it's, it's no, it's all or nothing yes. right now. And, and that uh, aspect of it is very fun too. You know, that single elimination, which mm-hmm. we don't see in the NBA at all. Right. Exactly. Love it. Uh, Mitch, one of the other things discussed as well, well, this was reported as a future item uh, to be considered, but the mid season tournament, which is something that we have seen reported in rumored over the last couple of years, which would be uh, in a mid season uh, tournament for a prize pool or some sort of, uh, you know, incentive there. Uh, reportedly the NBA board of governors will be pushing uh, to in, include the mid-season tournament in the 2023-2024 season, uh, which will be something that's discussed next summer. So that is something moving forward that we could see, again, a year-by-year trial basis uh, of a mid-season tournament based on a proposal the NBA set out uh, back in 2019 about how it worked. The proposal would have the winning players each get $1 million and the coaches $1.5 million uh, for the champion. So there would be like a monetary bonus there. Uh, but a sort of March Madness style single elimination tournament uh, in the midseason is definitely something we could see uh, moving forward. Do you have any just thoughts on that? I mean, it, it seems pretty contradictory when we're talking about, you know, load management and everything, <laughs> you know, add another tournament in the middle of the season. It just seems a little contradictory to me. I'm unbiased towards it. Um, but I, I guess if I have to lean, no, like just no, <laughs> but Seems a little unnecessary, I guess, if you want to pay players more than add a million dollars to their to their salary. But, you know, just I I don't. I I don't feel like this is necessary. I don't feel like the midseason tournament is necessary at all. Yeah, I think coupling the midseason tournament with a cut down on the NBA schedule would be the only way that I think would be viable. Right. If you cut it down to 72 games and in its place, you put a midseason tournament, you took three weeks oh, off instead of 10 days off in the middle in that all-star break. And in that time you host this mid season tournament, 
you know, I think that would be fine. Ultimately, Mitch, it's not about the product. Well, it's not about the NBA season at all. It'd just be purely to make a lot of money and create an interesting uh, TV product and an, and an entertainment product. If you host it around the All-Star Weekend, you know, if you, uh, you know, have this tournament going on, like you create an interesting product in the middle of your season when fans lose interest. Uh, I do think like financially it makes a lot of sense. I do think it could be interesting, but I am with you like in the world of load management, player safety. Uh, I, I do think like you're going to have to do this and shorten the schedule uh, for the regular season. If you're going to expect uh, players to do this. Yeah. I just don't see so, a need for it, but you know, that's just me, but there's not a, not a need for more basketball. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> That's not what I'm saying. I just don't see a need for. Like, you don't want to see the LaMelo ball and other, the Charlotte Hornets money. shock the world with a run in the midseason tournament that propels them down the stretch of the second half of the season with positive moment. Like, think about the Phoenix Suns in the bubble, right? The COVID bubble. Remember, the Suns were like 8-0. and They crushed everybody. And, and then that next season, they went to the finals. It was like this positive momentum had been built in this young just team. Seems, it, and that was a little different. It just seems too much like a cash grab to me. It, it's just a cash grab for. But it could be more than that. It could be more than that. And that's where we don't know. Like, could there be incentives in the draft, right? Could there be other incentives for teams that do win it, right? Besides just money. Uh, you know, we don't really know. Uh, but I do think, you know, the idea of that midseason momentum. Uh, and giving something interesting in the middle of the NBA season when fans uh, maybe tune out a bit until the playoffs start, uh, maybe is an interesting idea. But again, uh, likely to be proposed next summer. Uh, would the earliest would be the 2023-2024 season? Uh, but again, we'll we'll uh, we'll that'll be coming in the future. Uh, one other thing that was mentioned by uh, the commissioner that I thought was interesting, Mitch, was the uh, age, the age restriction in the NBA. Uh, Adam Silver said that he has traditionally been against. Uh, lowering the age. In fact, uh, it was initially like for raising the age to 20, uh, you know, making the requirement two years in college before going to the NBA, but basically said to come around uh, to the age 18, basically says it is on the table. Uh, it'll be a part of the next CBA, the next collective bargaining uh, agreement, which is set to uh, happen next off season. Uh, so the imminence of the age limit change is here. I mean, in the next couple of years, we should see 18 uh, year olds allowed in the NBA. Uh, and Mitch, this is something that's been building for years. It's a reason why teams like the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, and the Houston Rockets and now the Utah Jazz are acquiring so many future assets. Uh, it's because of this anticipation for a, a boom in talent in the league. Uh, a double draft, if you will, is what they anticipate in the 2024 draft, which is where you will not only have the regular college prospect pool that you have anticipated, but also high school seniors who will now for the first time be able to enter the draft. And this bigger pool of more talented players will suddenly become available at one time in that first year. Uh, and teams have been anticipating that and acquiring future capital to make moves to be at the top of those drafts and to get those players. So I do think that this will happen. It's something to anticipate. Uh, again, the earliest would probably be 2024, but uh, Adam Silver basically confirming this week that it is on the table uh, and is probably coming down the pipe. I mean, I've I've never been opposed to just letting high school players come right into the NBA because, I mean, some guys are ready. Some guys are ready. They don't need to, they don't need to spend a year in college and, and do this, you know, you know, John Calipari has been, Famous for doing like the one and done type 
um, recruiting style where they go, hey, come come spend your year here. Get me a national title and then you can go to the NBA. Um, might be the death of the NIL in college basketball if they if they bring that up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it's uh, I, I, I think it's just fine if a guy's ready to go now. Like it, football is different. Like, yeah, guys are not ready at 18 to go play against grown ass men in the NFL at 18 years old. But there are some guys that are 18 years old in basketball that are ready to go and go compete against those guys right out of high school. And um, so I'm all for it. I'm all for it when it comes to the NBA, lowering the lowering the age to 18 and and making sure that they now would this be 18 at the beginning of the NBA season or would it be 18 at the time of the draft? I, I don't know. I'm not really I'm not sure exactly how that works. Uh, I'm not sure how it worked before, to be honest. I would presume that they just restore uh, whatever old rules they had, uh, because, as we know, up until 2005, right, uh, high school players were allowed uh, in the draft pool. And, you know, some of the greatest players we've seen, Kobe, LeBron, uh, Kevin Garnett. Uh, I mean, those are among some of the high school players that, uh, you know, came into the league straight out uh, at 18 uh, and obviously went on to have very successful careers, both early and uh you know long careers oh and we uh, see so, this yeah. in europe too like you know luca was playing professional basketball at like 16 or whatever it was yeah. so like yeah we yeah, see exactly. it in europe all the time why why couldn't we do it here in the, in the nba like i said football is a different beast but you know for sure and for basketball it certainly it certainly makes sense yep i'm with you there mitch uh a little free agency update here so this is where we've got so far not Basically, no big deals. Uh, we're still waiting on the Kevin Durant uh, news. That is going to hold up basically everything else from here on out. Uh, Colin Stexton, sign-and-trade rumors, they're out there. He's a domino. A Aiton we talked about last week. There's a lot more smoke this week with Aiton and the Indiana Pacers, uh, who are one of only two teams with enough cap space, current salary cap space currently to just sign Aiton to his max outright, that being the Indiana Indiana Pacers and the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, so there is Aiton to Pacers uh, smoke here in, in what would be a sign-in trade, but that also gets hung up likely on the potential Kevin Durant deal because if Kevin Durant uh, would be heading to Phoenix, then the, we're looking at a three-team, maybe even more trade there. Uh, so keep that in mind there with the Aiton thing, but that's some of the rumors. Uh, the biggest sort of quote-unquote, and I say this is quote-unquote news because uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported this yesterday on the 12th of July, but uh, that the Jazz are reportedly willing to listen to trade offers on Donovan Mitchell, where before they were uh, reportedly not open to that. Uh, I call it quote-unquote not news because the general manager said this on Saturday to, to the media here in Salt Lake uh, that uh, I'll read you the direct, direct quote, quote from uh, GM uh, Justin Zanuck. Change is inevitable in the NBA. I'm not trying to be cryptic or anything else, but Donovan is on our roster, and he's a very, very important part of what we're trying to do. Things evolve in the NBA, so I couldn't sit here and say anybody is untouchable. We're trying to build a championship team, but there's no intent to trade Donovan Mitchell at all. So they're they're open to a deal in the same way they're open to a Rudy Gobert deal, which is if you wow us and we feel like we have to take it, we will. And I think what's interesting here, Mitch, is this doesn't change anything, but it does put out there like essentially if Kevin Durant doesn't go anywhere or if somebody misses out on KD like Miami, who has shown interest in both uh, Kevin Durant and Donovan, would they then – turn the focus and throw the farm at getting Donovan Mitchell to guarantee they upgrade this offseason if they missed out on like a Kevin Durant. 
Uh, I think that's the one interesting thing here with Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he's on the move. I don't think he moves. I think he stays here at least one season. Uh, maybe he's a trade deadline if things are going really south and it looks like this team's going to suck. And he says, hey, listen, guys, like I'm not in for a rebuild. I want out. You know, maybe he's a trade deadline. Maybe he's a next offseason guy. But I don't think he's on the move this offseason. I think he stays in Utah for now. Uh, but again, with Kevin Durant, if Miami were to miss out on KD, let's say he goes to Phoenix and they feel like they've got to upgrade that roster, you know, uh, Donovan would be high up on the priority list. We know the connection with the New York Knicks. The Knicks uh, are definitely reportedly interested in Donovan Mitchell. Could they convince the Jazz to trade him? Who knows? But uh, an interesting other domino to watch uh, in this sort of stalemate that we're sitting in. Yeah, a domino I don't think is going to fall. I think he stays in Utah. Um, in fact, I think that'd just be foolish. Uh, that's like just giving up on what you've built already um, to make playoff runs. Like uh, the, the Rudy Gobert trade, obviously, is is a sign that they're moving in that direction uh, when you trade a caliber, uh, uh, a player of his caliber for that type of package. Um, but you. You you need a corner piece. You need something to build around, and Donovan Mitchell's that guy. You need something to you need something consistent there. And trading Donovan Mitchell just makes no sense to me. Like I I just don't see him not in a Jazz uniform. Yeah, I'm with you there, especially just because like you don't get All Star level players like that if you're the Utah Jazz very often, and they hit on drafting him. Right. And it would be foolish to trade him away unless you got a King's ransom for him. And so I guess the question is, you know, are they going to get a King's ransom? Probably not. Probably not for Donovan Mitchell. But if somebody's desperate again, like Miami, who misses out on Kevin Durant, feels like they have to make a move. Are they going to throw five or first round picks at you? And if you could get five first round picks and Tyler Hero and Jay Grouter and whoever, you know what I mean? If you could get all that for Donovan Mitchell, it would be hard to say no to that. It'd be really hard to say no to that and set up Danny Ainge in this jazz front office with 10 first future first round picks and just all the flexibility in the world to do uh, whatever they want with the future, which could be a possibility. Again, that's why they're open. So a name to monitor here again, I think Mitch and I are on the same page here that don't feel like it's very likely. Uh, but certainly in the cards and, and the Kevin Durant thing looming over all this is is really the the piece we're waiting for. Uh, once that happens, obviously, we'll have a, a, a more clear uh, uh, an idea of what uh, what this is going to look like moving forward. But uh, we'll continue to update NBA free agency uh, as news breaks throughout the summer here. Uh, Mitch, a few bit of news items before we wrap up uh, this segment here. Let's start with uh, baseball, some baseball news. Uh, the Blue Jays have fired their manager, Charlie Montoya, uh, amid some recent struggles. Uh, they have promoted bench coach John Snyder to the interim for the remainder of the season. The Blue Jays are 46 and 42 this season and technically hold the AL's final wild card slot, uh, but they are fourth in the AL East. So uh, Blue Jays making a move. They're three and nine in the month of July. And uh, clearly a team with higher expectations. Montoya uh, went 236 and 236 over about parts of four seasons as the Blue Jays managers so about 500, exactly 500 there for Montoya. Uh, Mitch, this is, I think, on paper, surprising move when you see a team above 500 in the in the postseason, technically firing their coach. 
for their manager midseason. But this is a team that had high expectations, had high expectations from us. Uh, surprising to see this sort of desperation move here in the middle of July. Yeah, I mean, look, this is a team that's, like you said, a, a, a playoff team right now. But they also play in probably the most competitive division in all of baseball, the AL East. I mean, the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Rays, all contenders. The, the Orioles have absolutely caught fire over the last couple of weeks. Um, I believe, yeah, they've won nine straight over the last couple of weeks. Um, they have they're just they're a product of playing in a really, really competitive division. And you've got to keep in mind, this team is so, so young. So, so young. In fact, I was just looking at their roster, and I think there's four guys on their roster that's not a pitcher that are older than me. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> they they have – they're they're young. They're really young. And um, it just seems so premature to to fire your manager, unless you felt like there was a better uh, option out there. And even in, even in the starting rotation with, like, Alec Manoa and Jose Barrios, really young guys that – are establishing themselves as the top tier pitchers in baseball. Um, it, it just seems a little bit premature and it, it, I worry for our sake because we have them on the Hill right now as yes. uh, the winners of the AL East, um, that this may be a, a decision that uh, completely undermines what they've been trying to do over the last couple of years, which is build through youth. And they're, they're like, there or a year away, why why walk away from your manager now? It just it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, I think it's the puzzling part there. Though it does feel like the organization clearly believes they are in a win now situation, and that's why you make this move. Uh, but as you said, I mean, there is a lot of pressure. Every team in the AL East is above 500. So even the Orioles, Mitch, the Orioles won 52 games last year. 110 and Orioles, losses. Yeah. And the Orioles are 44 and 44 right now. So shout out to Baltimore, by the way, for that. That is incredible. 52 wins all of last season in 2021, and they're 44 and 44 right now. And fifth in this division. You got to be pissed if you're an Orioles fan, man. We finally get to 500, and we can't even get out of the cellar of our own division. I mean, come on. Can't, can't catch a break. But this Blue Jays team, Mitch, has been a disappointment. Uh, it is surprising. I wouldn't, I think this little rash to make a move like this, but you never know. These either work or they don't, right? It either, uh, jump starts the team to build that momentum they need to come down the stretch of the season, or it doesn't solve any of the problems that existed before. And the team continues to struggle the way that it was. And so, but it, it's, it's such a weird time. Like, why would you try to do this right before the all-star break with a guy that's been, a part of the, a part of this growth, this young youth that's coming in. It just seems weird that you would look for a jump start now, right? You're over 500. You're in the most competitive division in baseball, and you want to look for a jump start when your team's over 500. You have all the youth in the world to go ahead and make a run in the back half with a guy that's done a good job. Like 500 is not bad. It just right. it just seems like a silly time to do this. And, you know, if, if this were September and they're, you know, 10 games out, you know, they're 10 games out and they're, you know, they're meddling around, then, yeah, sure, you know, ride him out to the end of the year and fire him at the end of the year. Maybe he's not your guy. But an all-star, that right before the all-star break seems a little bit of a funny, uh, a little bit of a quirky 
decision to make right now. I, I just don't get that. Yeah, it definitely seems like a sense of panic happening there in Toronto as they see uh, not only the challenge in the division, but probably the Yankees uh, pulling away right now, 14 ahead, uh, 14 games ahead of the second place Rays there, 15 and a half games up on the Toronto Blue Jays right now are the Yankees. And I'm sure that's a part of it, too, as you see everybody else on a pulling, you know, the Yankees pulling away. So, so, so high there's now pressure, right? There's, I'm not saying it's the right decision. I definitely uh, disagree. I don't think uh, you should do this, but again, uh, we'll see how this plays out. It either work or it won't, uh, but certainly uh, stakes. We have, we have stakes in this because we were both high on the blue Jays. I believe you had them going to the world series uh, this year. So uh, we need this to be the right move. Yes. Yeah. It, it better be. It better be, or that uh, that Blue Jays front office is going to look really, really dumb. Speaking of the right moves, Mitch, uh, our Kraken were the absolute winners of the 2022 NHL draft. We got, and I said this, if you've been listening to the podcast, you know, I've been saying it ever since we realized and came to terms with the fact that the Kraken weren't going to be very good. And we were going to be at the top of the draft order, right? We, I, I've been saying, it's okay. We will draft our future Canadian superstar and we'll and he will become great and we'll live happily ever after. That's the future of this team. Well, uh, Mitch, it has happened. Uh, it has been manifested. Uh, we have drafted our future Canadian superstar. It's a kid by the name uh, of Shane Wright. Shane Wright was for most of the process, the projected number one pick in the NHL draft. But the Montreal Canadiens passed on Shane Wright in favor of Juraj Slavokowski, the lot, uh, Sl- the Slovakian, excuse me, uh, which uh, set off a chain reaction that had Sean Wright, Shane Wright falling all the way to the Kraken at number four. Uh, he has uh, been highly touted uh, for a lot of his youth as this potential number one guy. Uh, felt clearly felt slighted uh, by the slide, uh, and now comes to the Kraken with a chip on his shoulder uh, and a whole franchise to lead. And what a great opportunity for a kid who seems like he's ready for it. This is the type of prospect that if you're uh, a, an expansion franchise, this is the type of prospect you'd want. Uh, a guy with superstar upside, uh, franchise icon upside, and that's what the Shane Wright kid has. So we're all on board, Mitch, with the Kraken in this pick. Uh, big wins, big dubs for the Kraken in the NHL draft. I just love the dirty looks he shot at the draft tables of the teams that passed him up. Like, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I'm cut. Co- you got me now. Like, I want you guys. I, I, I love that. Um, this guy was, you know, a, a projected number one overall pick for him to fall to number four to us is just a spectacular. Um, I say us, but, you know, like, like we're part of the Kraken, but I feel like we're part of the Kraken. We were here since the inception, Dallin. We were here since yes. the idea of the Kraken first came up, and uh, it, it just feels like a big win for for the Kraken to get a guy like Shane Wright. I know that hockey is um, not like uh, not like the NBA, more like the NFL, where you need a cohesive unit of of I believe there's ten guys. Is there is there ten guys on the on the ice at one time? I don't know. I don't know. But it, don't it, ask it, me, man. <laughs> We should know that it feels like you need a more cohesive unit on the floor than just going out and getting a superstar uh, that can go out and get you a chip. So yeah. um, building through Wright, the draft. I like, I like that. I like yeah. that. It may take a while, but I like that. 
Slow and steady wins the race, baby. And we want, we don't want a flash in the pan like the Golden Knights, right? Get to one Stanley Cup final and never get back there again. We want a dynasty, right? Okay. We want the Detroit Red Wings of the early, the 90s and 2000s, right? We want like, we want sustained the Montreal success. Canadians. We want to be the San Antonio Spurs of the NHL. You know, we're always there. We're always competitive. We're going to win some chips. We're going to be there. And you got to do that through the draft. You got to draft well. That is true. And, uh, you know, hopefully Shane Wright is the first of many superstars to come through the halls, the 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 ice rinks of the Seattle Kraken. You'll love to see it. Mitch, uh, last bit of news here. You got an update, a little NASCAR update for us. Yeah, we, uh, NASCAR went to Atlanta, uh, making a trip back to Georgia, hot Atlanta, if you will. Um, one of those tracks that has really evolved with the with the new car and with the repave that they've had. Uh, they when they repaved this track, they narrowed the the straightaways, I believe, from 55 feet to 40 feet, um, and have brought in uh, transitional banking, which means it's a flatter surface towards the bottom and a more steep surface towards the top. Um, rather than one uh, uniform banking like you see at a lot of tracks. Um, and races a lot more like a super speedway, like what you would see at Talladega and Daytona group draft, you know, tandem draft, uh, sorry, groups of cars drafting together, um, everything kind of staying bunched up, which led to them renaming the track Atlanta Super Speedway because that's exactly <laughs> the way it runs, um, despite it being a mile and a half quad oval. Um, Race was great. Chase Elliott become, is, uh, uh, wins his third race of the year. Uh, he's the second driver from the state of Atlanta to ever win at Atlanta, or from the state oh, of Georgia to ever win right. Atlanta. The only other guy is his father, Bill Elliott, who was from <laughs> Dawsonville, Georgia. So uh, That's amazing. I love that. So uh, Chase Elliott gets his win, third win of the year, most in in, in the series so far. So um, he is a repeat winner, like we talked about, only 13 or 13 individual winners so far this year, which is wow, an insane yeah. number. Um, Even more impressive for him to be at three wins already, too, when you consider how many different winners. Uh, it seems like he's uh, sort of establishing himself as having uh, the best uh, start to the season so far. Yeah, so far, I mean, he's been super consistent. He's won a ton of races. Um what made this thing really, really exciting, though, was uh, the the addition of the seven inch spoiler. So typically NASCAR teams or NASCAR will run a four inch spoiler at most tracks. Uh, when you introduce that seven inch spoiler, it creates less downforce in close drafting. And imagine so drafting is when you're tucked up behind another car. Right. And the wind passes over the lead car and straight over the top of your car. Your nose, of your car is not taking on that air that is being applied to you. So you have uh, less air resistance, so you have you create higher speeds. You have less downforce when you're in closer drafting, right? Because that air is not hitting the nose of your car or the spoiler. It's passing right over the top of you. Um, so they brought that up to a seven-inch spoiler. But even in the close drafting, we saw cars getting loose. We saw cars stepping out a little bit. It was it was a it was a much more chaotic race when when you introduce that because guys are getting loose and the and their and their rear tires aren't sticking to the ground a lot more. Um, and uh, I think that was a big difference maker uh, bringing in that seven inch spoiler uh, as opposed to the four inch spoiler. Um, we saw a lot of guys 
um, stepping out on their own just in the middle of the pack by themselves um, in the middle of the draft. Uh, Corey LaJoy, want to give a quick shout out to him, was just one block and one lap away from getting his first career win. Um, made a very daring move going to turn one on the last lap uh, to try to get around Chase Elliott. And Corey LaJoy led uh, the the led the pack to the green on that final restart with about three laps to go. Um, close, close thing, uh, close, close, almost win for Corey LaJoy, but he's, he's got a lot of talent. Spire Motorsports is another team that's really climbing. He'll eventually get there. Uh, but Chase Elliott getting the win at Atlanta. Um, and uh, all in all, I, People are critical of the style of racing that's coming at Atlanta. I love it. I love this type of pack style of racing. I think it's fun. It adds a different type of element to it, just like the road courses do, where it's a it's a, just a different element. And um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see um, guys like Corey LaJoy take that experience that they had at Atlanta and apply it to a super speedway like Daytona or Talladega and see if they can get back up to the front and and lead and maybe eventually win one of those types of races. Yeah, that's great, Mitch. Uh, you love to see it. Uh, always great to have an NASCAR update here on the podcast for you. And that is going to do it uh, here for our news. All righty, Mitch. Well, let's, uh, before we get to the mid roll, uh, we'll, we'll do the top five and, and the forgotten all-stars here. And let's, uh, let's start with your top five, buddy. So top five, we've been doing our NFL positional series. Um, since uh, well, since maybe a couple months back, we're just got all leading up into the NFL season because, Dallin, I don't know if you've realized, we are in the last month of the year where we don't have NFL football. It's a beautiful thing. This is a beautiful thing. I cannot wait for NFL football to come back. And we've been doing this positional series, but I want to give a little love to a certain group of football players as you know and as maybe some of the listeners know uh when i played football i was a fullback but i also was a long snapper and i have a special place in my heart for the special teamers special teamers are people too and i want to give a special love to the special teamers so on this week's edition of mitch mo's top five list of the week we're going to be doing the top five greatest kickers of all time. I love it. I love it. The special team, the special teams needs more recognition. Now the NFL is basically phasing it out at this point. But uh, I mean, you look at like, I mean, just go look at that Chargers team from back in the day, right? They were first in defense, first in offense, 32nd in special teams, and they were not a playoff team. Uh, that's how much special teams matter. You could be first and first in offense and defense but if you can't do special teams you will not win games i have always simple as that i have always said when i was defensive coordinator for the pop warner football team that i coached which i take a lot of pride in um i have always i also coached the special teams i have always said that there are two to three fluke plays in every single game and the likelihood of them happening on special teams at any level is extremely high so you better be good at special teams Yep. And um, so we're going to get into the top five kickers of all time. I want to give a special shout out, some honorable mentions. Jason Elam, former kicker of the Denver Broncos, as yep. you and I would remember. Gary Anderson and Steven Goskowski. Steven Goskowski, um, 
deserves a shout out because of the shoes that he had to fill. I mean, oh my gosh. Um, and we'll get into the guy that the, the shoes that he had to fill in just a little bit. But let's go to number five. Number five, I got Matt Stover. Matt Stover, uh, a New York Giant, a Cleveland Brown, a Baltimore Raven, um, and an Indianapolis Colt. Um, a one-time All-Pro, one-time Pro Bowler, a two-time Super Bowl champion, uh, 83.7% uh, field goal made, and 99.5% on PATs. This wow. guy was as automatic as it got for the extra point. And when you think about how many games come down to one point, two points, that PAT matters. And Matt Stover was as automatic as it got for all the great defenses that he played on. You know, the Giants defenses uh, of 1990, that Ravens defense um, in 2001. Um, the PAT, the, that kicker was just as good as the defenses that he played with. Matt Stover has got to be number five on my list. I love it. That's a throwback name right there. That's yes. a good forgotten all-star right there. What How did you say? One Pro Bowl? That, that, yeah, that would be a good forgotten all <laughs> It would be a good one. Number four on my list is Lou Groza. Now, his career success rates don't match up to anyone else on this list, right? He was a 54.9% kicker from field goal range, made 92.7% of his PATs, but he revolutionized the way the kicking game happened because he instantly be, – he was the first guy – that became a threat to kick from that 40 to 50 yard range. Um, get And he, I mean, he has an award named after him, right? The Lou yes. Groza award, the top college football place kicker is named after him. Um, four time NFL champion, uh, four time first team all pro nine time pro bowler. I mean, for a guy that played his career uh, from the mid forties to the mid sixties, this guy was revolutionary for his position and uh, is definitely deserving of having a spot on this list. Yeah, pioneer uh, for kickers in in the NFL today. So yes, he has he has to be on here. That's great. has has to be. Uh, number three, Morton Anderson. Uh, Morton oh, yes. Anderson, uh, the former all time points leader in the NFL, um, before being superseded by another guy on this list. Um, <laughs> kicker in New Orleans, Atlanta, the New York Giants, the. Uh, Kansas City and Minnesota, six-time All-Pro, seven-time Pro Bowler, 79.6% from field goal, uh, eight or 98.8% on the PAT stuff. Um, he may have one of the more infamous missed field goals of all time, keeping the 98 Vikings out of the Super Bowl. But you know what? This guy was as automatic as it came, and Morton Anderson is just more than – more than deserving and worthy of being in the top five kickers of all time. Yeah. I think he has to kind of be a lock for top three, right? You know what I, I mean? I would say so. Yeah. That I seems pretty with, fair. I, I flirted with him at two, but sure. Um, you know, I, I, it's hard. It's hard keeping him out of number two. He just played for so long. And like you said, the long time point scored leader in the NFL. So he had some of those, that longevity, right. To the career that uh, super valuable, but. That's right. Absolutely. Uh, number two on the list, Adam Vinatieri. Adam Vinatieri has got to be number two on the list. Um, he's part of the all 100 team. 
Um, a New England Patriot from 96 to 05, and an Indianapolis Colt from 06 to 19. Longevity. Man, this guy yeah. just played forever. And that's not even counting the years that he played in Europe, right? Yes. Because he played in yes. Europe before he came to New England. A four-time Super Bowl champion, three-time Pro Bowler, which was surprising. I thought he would have made more Pro Bowls than that. Um, 83.8% from field goal range, 97.3% um, from extra point range. So, look, this guy is now the all-time points leader. Uh, has made some of the most iconic kicks in recent NFL history, um, including that one in the snowy Foxborough uh, in the tuck rule game against the Oakland Raiders. Um, this guy for 24 seasons just continued to wow you. Even when his beard went gray, Adam Vinatieri was one of the better kickers in the league, no matter the point in his career. So he's got to be number two. Yeah, I mean, he's kicked two game winners in in Super Bowls. You know, like that is like that's that's enough right there. You know what I mean? Let alone playing as long as he did. Like that is just now that's iconic. Refresh me. Panthers. Panthers and the Rams and the Rams. That's right. The first the first two Patriots Super Bowls were won. That's right. Yeah. On Vinatieri field goals. And the Eagles one may have been, too. I don't remember exactly how the Eagles one ended, but I know those two ended on Vinatieri field goals. Yeah. I mean, this guy is just he's kicked some of the most iconic kicks of all time. Yep. Half half, half have have Adam Vinatieri. And I'm kind of surprised he's not number one. I don't I don't want to have anyone come into mind for number one. So I'm, I, I must be missing somebody. Who, who do we got? You're missing your favorite kicker of all time. The best kick, the greatest kicker of all time is Justin Tucker. The goat. Yeah. OK. All right. Yes. Now, look, Justin Tucker <laughs> has a lot of career left, right? He he's a, he was a rookie in twenty twelve. It's only 2022, and 10 years for a kicker is a short career. However, this guy is as automatic from any range as it comes. 91.1% from field goal range. Wow. 99% from PAT range. Um, that's only in 161 career games. Look, this guy... He may fall off the face of the earth in five years. And I could be wrong. But I think we right now we are looking at the greatest kicker to ever walk the face of the earth in Justin Tucker. He is as automatic as it comes. He's Baltimore's. Dare I say it right now? Face of the franchise. Okay. All right. Okay. We could call him their best player. Their best player. Maybe Lamar right now is. But you know, I don't think Justin Tucker's getting commercial deals. That's all I'm saying. You know, they're not selling him to the season ticket holders. He should. He (laughs) should. Guy. Handsome guy. Look, I mean, he. This guy is going to be. I. I little foresight here and and again I, I may be wrong in five years but he will be the all-time leading scorer in the nfl when it's all said and done already 1360 career points through 161 game through 161 games to put that in perspective with um adam vinatieri 2673 points and 365 career games. So wow. he is on pace to break that right now. And then some, yeah. And then some. So I, as of right now, 
Justin Tucker, the greatest kicker of all time. Hey, you're not going to hear me complaining uh, about calling uh, the greatest kicker of all time the guy who has the longest field goal of all time. That just that that in and of itself seems pretty fair, let alone the fact that he's over 90 percent from field goals over a decade. I mean, that is just incredible. Justin Tucker is incredible. I I just didn't think you were going to do it. I didn't think we we're throwing the modern player in there. But you know what? Hey, it's Mitch Moe's top five list of the week. It's nobody else's. Look, I know I lean more towards history, but I respect greatness when I see it. Wow. And Justin Tucker is greatness, and I have to respect that. Have that means a lot coming from Mitch Mo over here. I mean, that means a lot coming from the historian, uh, the old soul, uh, Mitch Mo. Uh, run through the top five one more time for the people. Number five is going to be Matt Stover. Number four is going to be Lou Groza. Number three Orton Anderson, number two, Adam Vinatieri, and number one, the GOAT, Justin Tucker. I love it. That's a great top five, Mitch. Uh, a great segment there. Glad we got kickers in. I'm excited to hear the punter list as well. That one will be a great one when we get that. Uh, yes. I don't even know who I would – I don't even know where I would start with punters. That is a – that's a task. Kickers, I, I can name three. Punters, I don't know where I'd even begin. Oh, I'll get I'll we'll we'll get to punters. We'll get to punters. I'm gonna I mean, be looking for like, <laughs> you got names like Shane Leckler and Sean Landetta. I mean, you, oh, you've got man. You, you're gonna we're gonna get deep with that one. I love that's that. gonna be some throwbacks. You'll have to see it. Uh, all righty, Mitch. Well, let's uh, that's great top five as always. Let's get into some forgotten all stars before we take our break, and I will go first here. Okay. And I'll let you guess this one first, buddy. Uh, so I've got an all, uh, I forgot an all-star um, for you. Uh, Mitch, you, you are really good at these, right? Uh, yeah. And uh, I feel like I need to be challenging you more. I okay. think I make easier lists for you than you do for me. And you're better at this. So I got, I got, I got what I think is a challenging player. It's definitely doable, and you'll probably guess it on the second guess, but I think I am challenging you. So I'm just saying okay. that now, so when I get proven wrong, we'll just all know that this uh, this is just Mitch Moe's game. Uh, it's Mitch Moe's world, and we're all just living in it. But uh, Forgotten All-Star today is a former NBA player. Oh, boy. Yeah. Okay. This would, right. this would definitely be the category you get me in. So that's what I'm that's what I'm hoping for. This former NBA player was drafted in the first round yeah. of the 2005 NBA draft and played 12 seasons with five teams. Yeah. This NBA player was a two-time All-Star, which uh, he accomplished with two different teams. And also a one-time NBA champ. This player had only one season in which he averaged a double-double in his 12-year career and made one all-NBA third team in his career. I've got some more specific hints for you uh, as we get a couple save. guesses. We'll see. But yeah. uh, that's what I've got for you so far. You want me to go through that one more time for you? Um, how many times was he an all-star? Two-time all-star. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so a couple names come to mind. Uh, 
<clears throat> I don't know if he was. Was he 05? Okay, we're just going to guess Andrew Bynum. It's a great first guess, but no Andrew Bynum here. Okay. But the time frame here is right. We're, again, first round pick in the 2005 NBA draft and played 12 seasons. So you could do the math there on his playing career. Um, 12 seasons. 12 seasons with five teams. Um, I've got cow. three hints for you. Uh, so uh, this will be my first uh, hint, okay? Because okay. uh, you made one guess. Uh, first hint for you is uh, I said he made an all-NBA third team. He made that all-NBA third team in the 2012-2013 season. Okay. Which was also one of his all-star seasons. Okay. Uh, I think he played longer than 12 years. Brandon Roy. Oh, I love I love the guess there on Brandon Roy. It is not Brandon Roy. Okay. Uh, but another great guess here. Uh, I've got. I guess I should have given you a hint already, but okay. Let, well, hold. Let ask you a question. Yeah, one was, guess left. So you know. Was he a top five pick? Uh, he was can, actually. Can you answer that or? Yes. Yeah, he was actually the very last selection. In the 2005 NBA first round draft, he was the 30th pick in the first round. Okay, here are the two. I got I got one more kind of hint for you before you get your last guess. Okay. Okay. He played for five teams over 12 seasons, but 10 of those came with just two teams. Okay. So he really played for like two teams over his career. He played the last couple of seasons with like, you know. Like a three other teams. Okay. Okay. And the last hint for you. I said he was an NBA champion. In that NBA final series that he played in, he scored a total of 22 points in the series. Okay. I think I got it. The top five thing helped me because I was going to say Darren Williams. So oh, I think that okay. he played around that 12 to 14 years range. Right. But when you said late round, I thought big man. I'm going to go. Oh, do I? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do I'm David Lee. I cannot believe this. He's done it. Of course he's done it. We don't script this, folks. Like, I didn't give him the answer. Like, we didn't play this up. Like, Mitch is going to guess it on the right one. Like, he has no idea what I'm doing here. And he pulled out of his ass on the third guess. David well, he Lee. won yes, his title. David Lee. He won his title with um, Golden State, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. And that was, you're welcome for a great hint there. Because, yes, he was, was in the finals, was, but he basically yeah. didn't play. You know, he 22 points in, like, five games. But, yes, David Lee drafted by the Knicks in 2005 with the very last he was a in the two-time round. all-star are you serious all-star in the 2009-2010 season his last season with the New York Knicks in which he averaged 20 20 points a game and 11.7 rebounds the only year he had 
averaged a double-double. His second uh, All-Star season came with the Warriors in 2012-2013. That was when he was an All-NBA 13 selection, 18.5 points uh, and uh, 11.2 rebounds. Uh, Won the title in 2014-2015 with Golden State, that first title, uh, and then uh, ended his career with Boston, Dallas, and San Antonio. But there you go, David Lee, Mitch. Well done, man. Incredible stuff. I, like I said, I don't know where it comes from. That was, that was, that was great. That was, I thought I stumped you. I, you are unstumpable. I need, you are, you are, no, you're, needs to help me out here. (laughs) I'm stumpable. That, that was about as close as it got because I was not going to (laughs) say David Lee. I was going to say Darren Williams, but. Oh man. Well, well done. Well done on the forgotten all-star there. Thank you very much. Uh, Dallin, we're going to stay in the NBA for your Forgotten All-Star. Okay. Okay. So, this guy was a first-round pick. Sixth overall in the 1999 NBA draft. He spent the majority of his season, majority of his career with the team that drafted him. He was part of the 1999-2000 All-Rookie Team and was second, when he got drafted, was second man to one of the biggest names of this era. Probably need more than that, but that's okay. I, I got more for you. Uh, okay. So sixth overall pick in 1999 was an All-Rookie Team and a second fiddle on a good team. Um, I'm just going to go with the guess, and this may be too obvious. Probably not a forgotten all-star, but certainly an all-star. Uh, I'm going to go. I nope. I was going to no. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to guess it because I know it's wrong. I was going to guess Tim Duncan, but I think he was like 97 draft, right? He was earlier. Yeah, and he was way more than a one-time all-star. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Oh, so this player was a one-time all-star. Oh, only sorry. A one-time I, I don't all-star. think I gave that detail. Yes. No. So I'm sorry. He is a one-time all-star. Okay. I don't think this guess is right. But I am just going to guess one so I get a name down. I'm going to go Chris Weber. Mm, good guess. Uh, Chris Weber was definitely earlier than 99. Um, he would have been the 94 draft, mm-hmm. um, but no. So would you like the college that he went to? Uh, Sure. Yeah, that probably won't help, but why not? So he went to Miami University. Oh, a hurricane. I don't the think U. it was a hurricane. Nope, not a hurricane. The other Miami. Miami, Ohio? Yeah, oh, that would be Mo- Miami, Ohio. Um, hmm. Mm-hmm. Trying to think of some of the great teams with great players. And who might have been their second fiddle? You know, I'm going to go with this guy. I follow him on TikTok. He's a great Volo. I don't think this is right, but I'm going to go Richard Jefferson. Not Richard Jefferson either. I don't think he made an all-star. Did um, Richard Jefferson make an all-star? He had to have had to have made an all-star. I feel like, no right? Yeah, there's no way he like, did. He was never great, right? But, I mean, like, he had to be. No, I'm looking it up. Richard Jefferson. 
Well, uh, no, look- never, never was an all-star, huh? What? Are you kidding yeah. me? 17 years, no, no all-stars. I would have sworn that, like, in his Nets years, he would have been, right? been an all That's what I was thinking. I was thinking Nets, Jason Kidd, who was, like, yeah. the second fiddle, Richard Jefferson. Okay. Okay, um, so. Is that, like, go. a decent direction? Because <laughs> um, I feel yeah, like I don't have much. I have the first, he was a first-round pick, and he went to Miami, Ohio. That's basically a guy You're in the right, with Richard Jefferson, you're in the right era. I'll tell you okay. that. Um, I'll give you two hints here. Okay. So. He was not born in America. He was born in Spain. I'll give you the country. He was born in Spain. And I think he might have the record for the most Z's in his name. (laughs) The most Z's in his name? Oh, man. Come on. I know you. I know you got this. Z's that he's not from America. Uh, Mitch, I got a guess. I don't think it's right. I'm going to go the second best player on a Cavs championship team, Zadronis Ilgalskis. I think he only has one Z, but there you uh, go. That's the only name I can think of with a Z. No, that's not it, Dallin. I'm sorry. This is Wally Zerbiak. Wally Zerbiak, huh? All right. Yeah, Wally Zerbiak, uh, sixth overall pick for the Minnesota Timberwolves um, in 1999, uh, played second fiddle to Kevin Garnett in those early Timberwolves years before Sam Cassell arrived. Um, but that was before Latrell Sprewell. Um, Wally Zerbiak uh, averaging 14.1 points per game. Um, over 651 games, spent the majority of his career with the Minnesota Timberwolves, a couple of years with Boston, uh, half a year with Seattle and Cleveland, and then another full year with Cleveland. So, yeah, Wally Zerbiak was the name I was like, I, I wow, was there you go. Didn't know he was Spanish. Was, well, I don't think he was Spanish, but he was born in Spain. Well, doesn't isn't that what makes someone <laughs> you were born in America, right? Dallin, Dallin, well, Dallin, to make you American. Right? I don't know. Dallin, if you're the son of a military man and you're born in Spain, does that make was you he Spanish? was he military? I didn't know he was a military kid. I, Zerby, I didn't know I assumed he was Eastern I know. European. You know, that's I what I'm saying. You, I, I just you were going to get Wally I, 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 Yeah, there you go. All righty. Well, let's uh, let's hit a break here and hit our mid roll. And on the other side, we will get into our all uh, 25 and under NFL teams. So stick around and we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back in to the second half of the sports hour with Mitchmo and Dallin. Hope you enjoyed your little break there. Me and Dallin. We got a we got another little draft here. We're gonna do. Last time we drafted, 
we did we drafted our big three our all our all-time big three and now we're going to be drafting our all under twat all under 25 nfl team so dallin why don't you give him a little perspective of what the constraints of this draft is gonna it is gonna entail yeah so we're looking at players that are 25 and under so they can be 25 up until the day the season starts if they're 26 they're too old by the time the season starts uh so that's the requirements there we've got seven players on each side of the ball uh how we've broken it down is one quarterback one running back two wide receivers one tight end and two offensive linemen uh, and then on defense, two D linemen, two linebackers, and three defensive backs, which can be corners, safeties, you know, nickel, slot players, like whatever. I mean, it's uh, nowadays that's so fluid, anyways. But that's the seven on seven for each side, uh, and we will go in a snake draft order, uh, back and forth. And obviously, we can't pick the play- same players, so this will be a fun exercise uh, to kind of see the strategies. Like, where do we start? What positions do we target? Uh, I've got some strategies entailed, ready to go. Uh, so yeah, I'm ready to do this, man. Are you ready? I am so ready. And I think since you let me have the first overall pick last time down, it's only right that you have the first overall pick this time around when it comes to our all under 25 NFL draft. So Dallin, you are officially on the clock. Oh man. This is this is a tough place, Mitch, uh, because the obvious place to target first is quarterback. That's just most valuable position. Uh, and but but there are a number of players that I'm kind of okay with at quarterback. I I don't necessarily feel uh, the pressure to go after a quarterback. So I think I'm gonna look at a different position and some of the other more high value positions where I feel like. There may be a run. And I'm going to go wide receiver. I'm going to get my first wide receiver first because there are some great young talents out here. But I am going to go with the wide receiver from LSU. Name starts with a J. (laughs) Justin Jefferson. Oh, Justin Jefferson. Okay. And I'm going Justin Jefferson over Jamar Chase because that was the consideration there. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. But I'm going to go Jefferson because of uh, more of the time in the league, uh, more of a proven uh, commodity. And and I'm not trying to take anything away from Jamar Chase. I'm sure he's going to be fantastic. And that year with Burrow last year, incredible. But I'm going to bet on Jefferson a little more. We've seen a little more from him uh, in that Minnesota offense. So I'm feeling great getting my first pick. Wide receiver, we've got a stud. Feeling excellent. I love that pick for you. Um, okay, Mitch has look, got the I, first round. Where, what, what are we thinking here? You've got back to back picks. Look, I'm thinking. Uh, I'm thinking of my game plan. I'm thinking right. of my game plan. And I know I'm run first. I love the running backs. Right. I think I want to go running back here. But I'm not going to. I think I'm going to go defense. Oh. And. No, I'm going to go running back. I'm going to go running back. <laughs> he, he faked us out. 
You're, Mitch, you're still on the clock. Nobody can steal your pick. You don't have to fake us out like that. I know. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> I'm going to go Jonathan Taylor. Damn you. Okay, Mitch. I almost, I consider Jonathan Taylor at the 101 just because he was the clear favorite for me at that position. And so that almost makes him more valuable, right? Like there's other great young receivers, but like Taylor's like the guy. Hard to pass on him. I like I, I don't blame you there. I really like that. Yeah, I cannot pass on Jonathan Taylor. Um, but I also have the third pick in the draft, which is the 201. Yes. And I need to build my defense around someone. You know what? Give me Max Crosby. Wow. I want Max Crosby as my as my look. This guy is a just absolute weapon off the edge. Um, a guy with long reach, um, great footwork, great handwork. Um, I want to I want to build around Max Crosby, a guy on my edge. Um, I think that he's going to be um, very very quickly if he's not already, which I think he is, one of the best defensive linemen in the NFL. Give me Max Crosby. Yeah, uh, that is, I like that pick. Totally makes sense to target a defensive line here, especially with uh, only two defensive line spots available, right? So I think there's, you know, only going to be two guys on each team. Uh, Was there a consideration here for some of the other defensive line prospects like Nick Bosa, like Chase Young? Uh, Any consideration for those two guys over Crosby? That and Brian Burns. Yeah, those two and Brian oh, okay. Burns, yep. definitely. Um, I just, I, I love Max Crosby's game. I think that he's um, a guy that could have a lot of longevity, a guy that can really build, that I can really build a team around um, as, as far as, as far as his skill set and, and potential longevity goes. So, yeah, fair enough. All right, uh, Mitch, that's your second uh, round pick. I'm going to go my second round pick and I'm going to mirror here on the defensive line because now you've opened the door here for D line. Uh, so I want to, I want to make sure that I get uh, somebody on the D line that I feel really good about. So I'm going to go Nick Bosa here uh, yeah. off the D line here in the second round. Uh, and again, like you were looking at a, a guy to establish there. I think Nick Bosa at 24 years old, what he's already accomplished in this league. Uh, incredible. I mean, he was, uh, arguably the face of that Niners defense as a rookie leading them to the Super Bowl. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, that was remarkable. And it seems like that was so long ago, right? Cause COVID and the way that everything has changed after that, but uh, that was not that long ago and he did that as a rookie. So I think Nick Bosa is uh, very special. So I'm feeling good getting Bosa here. Uh, I mean, still some great defensive linemen available for us to pair uh, with these two young guys we have on the edge. So, uh, it'll get interesting there at D-line. But I'm going to stay on defense, Mitch, for the third round. I'm going to go into the secondary, and I'm going to get the number one corner off the board. A uh, guy I feel very comfortable taking here, very excited to have on this team, and that's going to be Jair Alexander, the corner mm. uh, out of Green Bay. Uh, I'm taking Jair Alexander. Was considering uh, Denzel Ward as well here, but uh, – I, you know, I, I feel like Jair Alexander might be the best corner in the league. I mean, behind like Jalen Ramsey, you know, I think he's probably in that next tier. Only a one-time Pro Bowler so far in his young career, but uh, he's like up next just four seasons uh, into, into his career. So I'm feeling good about those guys on defense. 
I would too. I would too. I got a very, very solid pick there with Jair Alexander. I don't think you got the number one cornerback off the board though. Okay. I don't think you got the number one. Um, I'm going to go next with an offensive lineman. Oh, no. I, I thought about this. I was afraid. I'm going to go Tristan Wirfs. Oh, nice. I'm going to go Tristan Wirfs. Um, look, this guy is generational type um, offensive lineman. The way he's able to to really attack guys off of the snap. Um, this guy is just next level. I have to take Tristan Wirfs with my first O-lineman pick. Um, I mean, he's already a Super Bowl champ, too. So you we were talking about all t- uh, 26 and under teams, but, I mean, he's got winning experience. <laughs> How many guys on this list are going to be able to say that at this young in the career? That's a, that's a, that's a bonus. I didn't even think about. Exactly. Yep. hundred percent. Um, I'm going to go back to wide receiver. You know what? I need the big physical specimen. Give me DK Metcalf. Wow. Okay. He goes DK second wide receiver off the board here. DK Metcalf, why you like so you like the physical, uh, the freakish athleticism and the body of DK? That's what you're valuing here over some of these other prospects because there are a lot of uh great young wide receivers. I mean, you just look at the last couple drafts, the names of guys in this league, a lot of different types of wide receivers out there available. Uh, but you like DK, I mean. I mean, just look. I mean, look at look at my team: Jonathan Taylor, Max Crosby, Tristan Wirfs, DK Metcalf. We're a physical team. Yeah. We're a physical team that likes to get it done uh, with with our with our body size and our and our physicality. So, uh, I Metcalf definitely fits the theme of my team. That's for sure. I like that pick, Mitch. Uh, I very much like that pick. Uh, I'm I'm up next, and you know, I see an opening here. An opportunity, and I'm going to take it here, and I'm going to solidify this, the pass catchers on my team. I'm going to go tight end, and I'm going to get Kyle Pitts. Mm. And I'm going to get Kyle Pitts because he is by far the best young tight end available, and there is a clear gap between him uh, and the rest behind him. Though There are some talented young tight ends here, but I think there's a clear gap here, and I want to make sure – I get the best weapon for with the quarterback that I add to this team, which surprisingly, neither of us have even looked quarterback yet. So uh, we'll see, I guess, how long it takes us to go there. Uh, but I'm going to go Kyle Pitts, and then I'm going to go back to wide receiver and add Jamar Chase. And I'm getting both the LSU guys. So we're rolling out Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Kyle Pitts as the pass catchers on this team. And I haven't had an O-line yet, no running back, no quarterback, but I know the pass catchers are going to be uh, an absolute handful there. Damn. I was really hoping he'd fall back. He'd come back around. Really hoping Jamar Chase would come back around. But you have to do what yeah, – you have to work with what you got here. Um, I'm going to pass on the on the pass catchers this time around. I believe we have another O-line spot. Yes. You know what? Give me Rashawn Slater. Oh, wow. Mitch takes the two best offensive linemen off the board before I've even picked one. That is, that's, that's great. I mean, those are the two best right there. That's easy, you know? 
it's it's an easy pick, and you know what? Games are won behind the hog mollies. Right. Give me the give me a good offensive line there. Um, I love the combination of Worfs and Slater on my offensive line. Um, I'm going to go back defense here. I actually am going to go back defense and give me Devin White, the linebacker. Okay. Um, Got to get something around that second level. And um, Devin White definitely fits that bill for me. Yeah, I mean, Devin White's a great linebacker. Uh, great in the run. I think he's a great all-around player uh, that's just going to work well on defense. So I like that there. First linebacker off the board here, uh, Devin White, is as Mitch goes or Sean Slater, Devin White here. Uh, I am back up. And I'm going to go linebacker tier here because I got to get my guy, Mitch. I got yeah. to make sure I get my guy here. And I am, when you said linebacker, you scared me for a second. Because I thought, don't you <laughs> fucking dare. Don't you dare take the BYU guy, Fred Warner, here. Don't you take Fred Warner away from me. Still 25, uh, still under that 25 and under. So we're taking Fred Warner here, uh, who's going to be great in pass coverage, uh, but also, you know, just the speed to get around, uh, make plays all across the field. Uh, that, uh, that, and he already works well with Nick Bosa, right? I mean, already teammates there for the Niners. So a natural pairing there uh, with those two players on defense. Uh, and with that, Mitch, I'm going to go back to the defensive line. I'm going to get my second defensive line here uh, and, and sort of close, you know, sort of close this thing off. And I know that he didn't have the year last year that many expected, right? Sleeper uh, pick in the offseason for defensive player of the year, breakout in year two that, uh, you know, we just didn't quite see as he couldn't stay healthy. But I'm going Chase Young here. Still 23 years old, still has all that upside. And I think especially playing next to Nick Bosa. Wow. If you're getting unlocked, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's going to help. But uh, Chase Young's obviously got that star potential there. So Nick Bosa, Chase Young on the D-line. I'm feeling uh, very good about that. As you should. As you should. That's a very talented defensive lineman. Um, I am in such draft mode right now. Like, I'm just like, I don't even want to explain these picks because I'm just like, I am, I am, I am locked <laughs> into what I'm doing. I need Focused. to draft a better team. Um, Focused. I'm going to go back wide receiver. Okay. He's going to finish off the wide receiver group. Already got DK Metcalf. And I'm going, look, I love the upside of this guy when he actually gets a competent quarterback under center. And I think that this is a guy that's going to be super talented once again. So give me DJ Moore. I love it. I knew that's where you were going the minute you said no competent quarterbacks. Because, I mean, you look at the numbers DJ Moore puts up in that Carolina offense just last year. I mean, he was top 10, I believe, in receiving yards or top 15. He was top. He was doing that with God knows who throwing quarter, throwing balls to him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Imagine if he actually had a competent quarterback and him and DK. What a combo. Oh, my gosh. Right. It's also great for branding, Mitch. I love that you did that. DJ and DK. I mean, come on. Like that. That writes itself. Give them their own freaking radio show. You know, that's exactly right. (laughs) So for this next pick, I don't have to worry about tight end because tight ends solidified with you. So I can wait really until literally the last pick. Right. Take a tight end here. Um, Offensive line is secured. Um, I think I need to. No DBs yet for Mitch. Three DB spots 
that we have to pick, and only one secondary player picked so far. That was me taking Jair Alexander pretty early. Yeah, and I think I'm going to go DB here. Um, give me Denzel Ward. Denzel okay. Ward. Is that the um, best corner? I think so. I mean, I think I think Denzel Ward is probably the best corner that we have under 25 right now. Um, Jair's right up there, but I, I yeah. would give the slight edge to, to, Denzel, to Denzel Ward for sure. Certainly an argument for both of those guys, uh, no doubt. All right, Mitch goes DJ Moore, Denzel Ward. Uh, as I look here, so no one's taken quarterback yet. I feel like we're kind of just waiting to call each other's bluff here on quarterbacks. Uh, you know, I don't need to take a running back because as Mitch is with tight ends, only one guy, you're not going to take another one, so I can wait. Uh, offensive line, same boat, even though I don't have any. Uh, you know, you've already drafted your two guys. So I'm going to go back to the secondary uh, to get a player that uh, I'm very, very excited to get here, Mika Fitzpatrick. Mm. Adding the versatile safety into my secondary uh, with the ability to just move him around and let him, you know, have a lot of fun, be be disruptive, uh, be a menace. That's going to be great there. And I'm going to also, Mitch, uh, go over to linebacker and finish off uh, the defensive, uh, the front seven here, uh, pairing Fred Warner up with Micah Parsons. Oh, God damn Micah, it. Micah Parsons, the versatile, had an incredible year last year. Uh, pass, rushes the passer, draws back in coverage, does everything. And what a good compliment to Fred Warner. Would really unlock Parsons to be almost a full-time pass rusher, right? And really be the threat in that realm as Fred Warner, uh, definitely a pass coverage type linebacker, uh, has that skill set. So just almost unlocks yet another uh, pass rusher here alongside Bosa and Chase Young. So, yeah, I'm feeling feeling money about that. Parsons was a guy I was really hoping made one more pick because that was literally <laughs> going to be my next pick. Um, I felt it, too. That's why I was like, I got to take him now because that was too hard to pass up there knowing it was going to come back to you. Man. You know, I feel like I need to finish up my second level as well. Let me be a homer for just a minute and take Robot Smith. That's yeah. that's that's a good homer pick. Listen, I would I you know, I would have loved to take DJ Moore. I thought about taking Brian Burns. Those are homer picks, but those are good ones, you know. Rokon's a good one there. I'm going to go back to the secondary. You know, give me a guy that can roam the middle, that can play on ball, that can also play a, a guy that's just playing center field. Um, you could also move him in second level because he's got good enough size. Give me Jeremy Chin. Oh, I love that. I even, me- If you noticed, I didn't mention him amongst my uh, Panthers favorites because I was hoping you'd forget about him and I could take him with my last secondary place. But, you know, that's that's a great selection for you. I love that pick. That's That might be Jeremy, my favorite pick of the whole draft. Yeah, I, Jeremy I Chin just is especially with three secondary spots here too. I mean, just versatility play up in the box, almost play as a linebacker at times. Right. But also could be a deep safety uh, kind of player. So uh, versatility there is going to be big. All right. So that leaves us, uh, we have a couple picks left, so I'm just going to update where we're at. We've got, we each have one more secondary spot available to pick. We're both set at linebacker. Mitch has one defensive line spot available. 
I have both my offensive line spots. Mitch has tight end. I have running back and we both have quarterback. Surprisingly this far in and neither of us have taken a quarterback and I am up uh, with my uh, next two picks. Now I am almost done on defense, Mitch. I have one player left available in the secondary. So I'm just going to go ahead and finish off that because offense, you already done. So I don't have to compete with you here on that end. And I'm going to go with a young corner. Uh, I'm, you know, there's a couple really interesting names here, but I'm going to go with the true corner here in Pat Sertan uh, mm. alongside Jair Alexander and Mika Fitzpatrick uh, the, with the idea of here of Sertan and Alexander on the outside and Mika Fitzpatrick as the safety as the versatile piece moving into the nickel, into the slot, uh, you know, playing safety. So feeling really good about that trio. World damn time. Yeah, that's <laughs> of course you'd love that. So that leaves me set on my defense and one more pick here before we go back to Mitch. Uh, and I, let's see, let's, let's get my first, you know what? I'm going to go quarterback. It's about time. Neither of us Are have you? taken a quarterback yet. And you know what, Mitch, the reason why I have not taken quarterback yet is because I knew that you were not going to select the same player as me. I didn't need to worry that you were going to take the quarterback I wanted because I knew you were not going to pick this guy. You're going to take quarterback before offensive line. You you want to take the quarterback before anyone to protect him? I, I Mitch, you're not picking any more offensive linemen. So I'm getting the same two players regardless. So okay. it don't really make okay. much of a difference. But you're still picking QB. So there is a chance you might take my guy. So I'm going to take him here, which there is no chance. But there could be. But there's not because I'm taking Lamar Jackson. Uh, okay. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback I'm going with here under 20 25 and under team uh there's some great names up there we can talk about more of them once you've taken your qb as well but lamar stands out to me and the disrespect this week from espn uh i think it was get up who did not have him as a top 10 qb in the league right now i think that is absurd lamar's a top 10 qb right now the names that they had above him it's absurd put some respect on the guy's name. He's been a freaking MVP and a winner his entire NFL career so far. So I'm saying Lamar Jackson, that's my QB Mitch. Isn't it funny how ESPN values winning, but all of a sudden when it comes to the play, like doesn't value winning, but then all of a sudden when it comes to the NFL playoffs, all of a sudden winning matters. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, Oh yeah, you, you could do all you want during the regular season, but man, once it comes down to playoffs, all of a sudden winning matters. I'm with you. Lamar's top 10 quarterback. Thanks man. I don't think he's top five or top seven. He's probably bottom half of that top 10, but. And I would agree with you, especially after, uh, you know, the the post MVP seasons have not been as good. Uh, all right, Mitch, you've got two picks in a row. Are you going to go quarterback here? So you got Pat Sertan and Lamar Jackson in the last round. Yes. Okay. I am going to go quarterback here. And I think I'm going to take a quarterback that I would rank. I would rank personally above Lamar Jackson. Taking Justin Herbert. Hmm. See, this is, I'm glad you said that, Mitch, because the discourse around the top 10 had to do, my gripe specifically actually had to do with Justin Herbert being ranked so damn high. Like, I get the Herbert love. And you look at his numbers last year, he was fantastic. He was throwing the shit out of the ball. He also threw the ball more than anybody else. So, like, that helps, you know? When you throw the, throw more attempts, you have more numbers, right? They also were 9-8. and eight. And not a playoff team, right? In his first year, as great as his rookie year was, like they were not a playoff team. They weren't even, I don't think they were a 500 team that year. So I I push back on the Herbert. Like I love Herbert. And in this exercise, absolutely. Him, Joe Burrow, 
Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson. Those are the four names I wrote down, the four names I would have considered here at quarterback. Uh, And I think any of those guys are fine. But I'm surprised people throwing Herbert as like a top five quarterback in the league after two years, just because he's like thrown for a bunch of yards. Like that's all it's been. Let's be honest. I, I find it. I find it fascinating. Like he hasn't even gone to the playoffs yet. You know what I mean? Like they, they were nine and eight last year. It's not like they were like 11 wins. I don't know. I find that interesting. Do you, do you feel the same way or you think it's justified? Uh, I guess the hype around Justin Herbert. Oh, it's completely justified. I think. Okay. I mean, I mean, he's like Keenan Allen has been on and off healthy. Um, other than that, he's had Mike Williams to throw to. And then Austin Eckler. I mean, it, they, there, there are holes in that San Diego offense that Justin Herbert who has, has had to overcome. And yet he is, he's, he's continued to prove everyone, prove everyone wrong by overcoming those holes that continue to be thrown his way. So, yeah, I mean, I think when he, like, accolades are one thing, but when, like, when someone just passes the eye test, that's a completely different thing. And Justin Herbert completely passes the eye test. Fair enough. Fair enough. And and that is true. You watch him play. He looks like an elite quarterback. But again, there are a lot of guys that, like, look elite, but are they really? That's all I'm saying. Until it's proven, I don't know. Just to push back on that a little bit, especially being over guys like Lamar, guys who've won MVP, like accomplished things, been to playoffs, won playoff games. I don't know. So suffice it to say, I like your pick of Herbert here. Uh, was there any consideration for Joe Burrow or Kyler, or was there anyone else on your radar here at quarterback? Joe Burrow, definitely. Um, yeah. Burrow was would have been the other guy. If I didn't take Lamar, I would have taken Joe Burrow. Yeah, uh, I would have loved to have the swagger of Joe Shiesty on the team. I would, I would have loved that, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I'm a little bit more reserved myself, so might why not take the a more, more Herbert type? Um. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so I think I have a corner and a wide receiver left. You've got corner, Correct. you've got wide receiver, you've got tight end, and you've got a defensive. Oh, lineman I got tight still. end and a defensive lineman. Oh my gosh, I have four picks left. You only have Max Crosby so far on the D-line. Now, I am done completely on defense, so obviously I'm not taking any more defensive players, but I don't think we have any positions where we are uh, picking the same players anymore. So at this point, it doesn't really matter. I want the fastest defensive line in the NFL, so give me Josh Allen. Okay. Max Crosby, Josh Allen, that's a great combo. Yeah. Fastest defensive line in the NFL. Get, I mean, just, I mean, you can't match that speed. You just can't. Yeah, that'd be quite the combination there. I, I like that they're on defense for you. All right, Mitch, back to me. Uh, I've got running back and O-line left, so I'm going to take both my offensive linemen here back to back. And you know what? Like, here's the thing. Uh, you definitely got the two best offensive linemen here. Like, there's no doubt about that. Tristan Wurst, Rashawn Slater, those are the two best guys available, and you got those both. And that is a big W for Mitch here. Uh, but I do feel good about my combo. Uh, I'm going to go Penny Sewell and Andrew Thomas. I'm going to go those two as my offensive linemen. Mm. Penny Sewell didn't have the rookie season of Rashawn Slater, uh, but still had a very solid rookie season. And here is a fun reminder for you out there, right? Penny Sewell, maybe a little bit of a disappointment last year after all the hype. I mean, so much hype going into that draft. Uh, 
he is 21 years old still. He does not turn 22 until October. This guy is going to be in the second year of the NFL as a 21-year-old. He is incredibly young and incredibly raw still. There's a ton of upside and a ton left for Penny Sewell. Uh, just because as a 20-year-old in the NFL, he didn't look – he wasn't a pro bowler like Rashawn Slater, who, by the way, is 23, you know, got a couple of years on Penny Sewell. Uh, I think Sewell's got a lot left. So uh, I love that. I love Sewell, and I like Andrew Thomas. Andrew Thomas has been really good. Uh, you know, I think it was a little surprising when he was the first tackle drafted that year uh, ahead of Tristan Wirth, ahead of Jedrick Wills and Mekhi Becton. But Andrew Thomas has turned out to be, for sure, I think the second best among that group of four tackles. Uh, and at this point, I think pretty justified for the fourth pick. Although, obviously, if you redid it and Wirfs is on the board, uh, you know, the Giants are taking Wirfs. But Andrew Thomas has definitely been, I think, a solid tackle. So, Absolutely. Absolutely. Love those two picks for you. Let's get this. Let's just get the tight end out of the way. Let's just get the tight end out of the way. I think I'm going to go with TJ Hawkinson here. Okay. I, I think that's after Kyle Pitts, that's the best tight end that's left on here under 25. Um, of course, all the love in the world for Cole Komet, but you know, he just doesn't have a whole lot. Hasn't proven a whole lot yet. So you're hoping um, he's that guy at the end of this season. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really hope he is. But, yeah, I'm going Hawkinson. Uh, proven to be a vertical threat. Proven to be a, a red zone threat. So, with my last pick, I'm going to pick a guy that hasn't played a down in the NFL yet. Because I think he was the best cornerback in this last year's draft. And he will be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL at the end of year one or two. And a surprise pick, give me Sauce Gardner. Wow. I didn't even write him down, Mitch. I didn't write down a single rookie from this year at all, but I love it. I love, if you're going to go with anyone, why not Sauce? I mean, physical guy for a guy his size, uh, guys didn't throw his way because they knew he was so locked down. Um, I, Ahmad Sauce Gardner. Has, is going to be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL in just a couple years. I would love a project corner that I could throw as my third guy out there. Um, Sauce just seems to fit the bill for me. I love this guy. Give me Sauce. Wow. I like it, Mitch. I really like it. And with that, I come to the final pick. It is going to be a running back for me. Mitch took Jonathan Taylor uh, second overall. Was it the first pick? That was uh, first. That was the first. That pick. was your your first overall pick, Jonathan Taylor. And with my very last pick, I'm going to go back to running back here. Uh, and there are some interesting names here. And I'm kind of kind of debating here a bit. Maybe this is a bit surprising, but I'm going to go Javante Williams. Whoa. I'm, go yeah, I'm going man. Javante Williams over Najee Harris, over J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Antonio Gibbs. And I'm going, Najee, I'm going Javante Williams because – uh, not only is he very young, but I think he's got a ton of upside. I loved his rookie year in Denver. They could have used more of him. And I know that they're committed to the Melvin Gordon thing at, for the time being in this split, uh, you know, sort of carry situation. But uh, once Williams is the guy, he's going to be the guy. And I think he's legit out of North Carolina uh, after one year. So uh, I'm going to go Javante Williams as the running back here to to finish off this team. 
Yeah, I mean, Javante Williams is very legit. In fact, in a lot of dynasty drafts, or a lot of fancy drafts, excuse me, I will be looking at Javante Williams because mm-hmm. that guy is just really, really good. He will supersede uh, a Melvin Gordon at some point throughout the year. So, um, yeah, surprising if, if at you were first me take, there, but I really yeah. like, I really like. If you were me there, who would you have thought to go with? I guess because I guess my other thought was Najee, but I don't love that. I don't, I don't know, I don't love it. I mean, I'm a big Najee guy. I love Nashi. Um, but if we're throwing him out of the equation, I probably go. Uh, I probably go DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Uh, DeAndre's ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. Uh, he can be a workhorse mm-hmm. for you. He can carry the ball 20 times and still catch the ball five or six times out of the backfield. So, um, and with a guy like um, Lamar Jackson, who is, you know, an extremely mobile quarterback, you have the opportunity to run read option with DeAndre Swift, um, which which would be just, you know, offensively would be a, a dream for you. So, yeah. Yes, that is true. A lot of a lot of talented running backs in this league. I think we forget about DeAndre Swift. I know I forget about J.K. Dobbins because of his injury last year, but he's a great young running back for that Baltimore right. Ravens team. That was also a name. It seemed too on the nose to pair Lamar and J.K. Dobbins together, but uh, definitely something I consider just because, uh, of the talent there, but, uh, all right, well, that's it, Mitch, for the all 25 and under teams. Let's read through our rosters, uh, for the people. Let's start with the offense. Give me your seven offensive players, starting with quarterback. So starting with quarterback, you got Justin Herbert. My running back is Jonathan Taylor. My wide receivers are going to be DK Metcalf, DJ Moore. Yeah, that's it. Sorry. <laughs> um, we only my- did two. But <laughs> I, I know I have my mindset on three for some reason. Uh, my tight end is TJ Hawkinson. My offensive line is going to be Rashawn Slater and Tristan Wirfs. Okay. My offense is quarterback Lamar Jackson, running back Javante Williams, wide receivers, Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, tight end Kyle Pitts and offensive line Penne Sewell and Andrew Thomas. My defense Defensive line, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. Linebackers, Fred Warner and Micah Parsons. Defensive backfield, Jair Alexander, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Pat Sertan. Yeah, my defensive line is going to start at Max Crosby and Josh Allen. Then we're going to move to the second level with Devin White and Roquan Smith. And my secondary is going to consist of Denzel Ward, Jeremy Chin, and the rookie, Sauce Gardner. I love it, Mitch. Uh, let us know your thoughts as you guys listen. Here are our lists. Uh, who do you think had the better team? Uh, you know, who had the better uh, draft here? Put together the better team. We'd love to uh, hear your opinions on here. My initial reaction here, I'm going to say this uh, based on our rosters and our draft, Mitch. I'm going to say I feel that my defense is stronger, but I kind of like your offense more. Especially, you clearly won it, like the running back, offensive line, even quarterback. I think that combination, you were clearly better than me there, but I, I feel like my defense, I feel, feel like that's pretty strong. I feel the same way. Um, and I really feel like, um, I'm taking a gamble on sauce garden. I'm really, ta- I feel like sure. I'm really taking a gamble there. I like your secondary though. The secondary that, is good. That's a, that's a gamble I'm willing to take on that, on a guy like that. So I love the boldness of drafting a rookie here that never played a down in the NFL. Uh, but uh, I love it, man. I love it. Well, that's uh, 
that's it for that segment, guys. That's going to be it for the podcast. It has been a pleasure to do this uh, and to be with you guys as you've tuned in. Uh, you know, if you don't already, go ahead and follow us on the social medias. The Twitter is at uh, Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at The Sports Hour Guys. You can follow the TikTok at The Sports Hour Guys. Follow me on Twitter at Dallin Graff. Also, check out the website, thesportshourguys.wordpress.com. We are happy to welcome Jordan Fox, uh, who was on the podcast last week, has put up already a couple articles on the site. We've got more collaborators we're hoping to add here uh, in the future. But uh, just shout out for to Jordan for some great articles on NBA Summer League uh, and some NBA stuff that you love to see. And he will be uh, contributing regularly to the website. So if you haven't already, again, uh, you want to check it out, thesportshourguys.wordpress. Dot com. Mitch, remind the people about Anchor. Anchor is the only place that you can become a permanent part of the conversation. Go to anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and leave us a voice message. If you have a concern, a question, anything that you have to do pertaining to the podcast, go ahead and leave us a voice message. We'll be glad to play it here live on the show and answer that question. You can go listen to the podcast on anywhere that you get your podcast. That'd be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Go ahead, get on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because, Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better. Uh, and we would like to do that. That's a goal of ours. Getting better is, getting better is always better. <laughs> you know, that'd be cool. Uh well, guys, uh, again, thanks for tuning in. We love doing this. Uh, more to come. We'll have more fun offseason content, stuff like this uh, under you know, 25 and under list uh, throughout the offseason. But as Mitch said, you know, come August, uh, training camp is back. The NFL season will uh, begin and uh, we'll have uh, so much fun. But, uh, you know, the summer months are a little fun to do some some different kind of stuff like this. It's uh, It's always fun to loosen it up a bit. That's right. You know, we cut the sleeves off, sun's out, guns out, do a little bit of fun segments. It'll be fun before we get really geared back into the NFL once August and September hit. So, um, yeah, Mitch, Mitch puts on the Daisy Dukes, you know, and butt uh, cheeks out all the time. But cheeks out uh, all the time. Full, it's a full moon every day. That's every, right. well, every half half moon. You don't get the full moon, you know. It's a waxing moon, a waning moon. I don't know. I should ask my wife. She's the one who worships the moon. Uh, anywho, uh, guy, you look at. <laughs> oh man! Well, now that we we're gonna leave you with that. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, let's just leave you guys. Yeah, with that let's image. do that. Let's so say, yeah. uh, there you go. That's gonna do it for the for for Mitch, uh, for myself. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you, and we will catch you next week. Happy birthday, Mama Bear. See ya!